Ready for some word today? Do you have a Bible or a Bible app? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, we want to read our text for the series, A Whole New World. This is chapter 5 and verse 17. Say amen if you have it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, behold means to look. Look! All things have become new. Now, how many know if you're told to look, but yet you can't see with the physical eye the newness, then you're using the wrong eye. Right? We're supposed to use spiritual eyes. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ERV reads, when anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly everything is new. All right, anybody tired of those verses yet? That wasn't enough no's. <laughs> Don't make me come out there. <laughs> All things are new. Last week we were teaching about the importance of, of looking in the mirror. And we're not talking about looking in a physical mirror, but we find out when we look in the mirror of God's Word, what do we see? We see the glory of God, not out there, but in here. All right? The glory of God is not something for the believer to try to ob obtain, try to achieve, try to arrive at, but rather the glory of God is something that he has placed inside every believer. And so when we see ourselves in Christ, we don't see anything ugly or weak or uh, you know, a failure. No, we see victory. We see glory. We see the resurrected Christ in us. Amen. And, and, and that's what we have to give attention to uh, in, our, in our mind. I must see myself in Him and Him in me. It, it bucks all religious trends, but this is true. If you're saved, the glory of God is in you. And it takes, it takes diligent effort to focus on that. Instead of seeing ourselves strictly through the eyes of the flesh and human ability and, and incapability, we see victory. We see the glory of God inside of us. Amen. He's not far away, but He is living in us, and He's here to stay. Praise God. So we must see ourselves that way continually. Now, when a person, and, and heads up, if you have missed parts one through seven, this follows that, okay? Just to let you know, say, well, I don't understand some of these things you're saying. Because if I explain everything, then I'll still be on part one. <laughs> Doing it for the eighth time, right? So these things are available if you want them. But building upon that now, if I know who I am in Christ, if I have adequately viewed myself in the mirror of God's Word, showing me the glory of God inside of my recreated being, then certain characteristics ought to follow. Being a believer should not exist just on paper or in a theological position or statement. 
it should eventually, not too long, but eventually show up in the physical world. In how I think and how I carry myself in, in my life, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my finances, in my health, in, in everything that was included in being in Christ, that is the result. Everybody with me? Okay, so it should become obvious at some point that I am in Him. It should be obvious at some point. I'll give you, give you a minute, but, but it should be, and it should be your goal. It should be obvious that you are in Christ to those observing from the outside. And so, uh, to get a little picture of what some of this looks like, some of, it, some of it manifests in certain characteristics like these. Boldness. Boldness is a, is a, a product of knowing who I am in Christ. I'm talking boldness before God, meaning if I could listen into your prayers, you almost sound like you belong. Wow, it sounds like you think he's actually going to do this. You're talking to him like you're talking to a real person, right? If we were to listen in on your prayers, they wouldn't be the prayers of a beggar. They would be a prayer, the prayers of a, a child. So, I'm not a child in age, meaning a son of God. Amen. You're not, it wouldn't sound like the prayers of a slave or a servant. It would sound like the prayers of an heir. Okay, it, it, it affects your boldness before God. You walk in like you belong, almost like you own the place. Well, Jesus said, it's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You walk around here like you can just go in any room you want. I belong here. Amen. But even before people, our, our testimony, our witness, our example, our life before others, it's, a, it's one that has a sense of boldness about us. Now, how many know if we have wrong beliefs about who we are in Christ, that doesn't affect our salvation, but it does affect whether we have and, and are able to live in boldness, okay? A related one is confidence. The in Christ knower is a confident person. I'm not speaking of self-confidence, but rather Christ confidence. I'm confident of who I am in Him and who He is in me. Praise God. And so, uh, when you're confident, you carry yourself well. You're, you're head, you can lift your head up. When you meet people, you talk to people, you can look them in the eye. Right? Not a uh, not this living with timidity and I, I'm always looking down and, 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 and like I don't belong there. No, I have this confidence in God and it shows in my relationships with other people and all of our interactions. Amen. Everybody with me today? Okay. Another one is security. A lot of these are kind of related. They're, they're similar, but there's nuances to them. Uh, an insecure person doesn't know who they are in Christ. An insecure person needs to visit the, the spiritual mirror again and see the glory of God inside of them. They won't feel insecure. They won't feel insufficient. They don't need other people to make them feel valuable. They're not constantly looking for other people's approval of their life. Like, I'm not really happy until I know that 
you think I'm okay, that you approve of me. No, I know where my approval comes from. And, and he is my sufficiency. And if no one else likes it, I still sleep well at night. I can, I can still, still do well. So, some, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, insecure people, it, 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 it manifests in, in relationships. It manifests, sometimes in, for single people, it manifests in their dating life. Uh, because they're too uh, dependent. They need people. They need that person. They need that man. They need that woman to kind of make them feel whole, make them feel like they're important or they're attractive or they're worth something. And how many know if you feel that way, you're more likely to make bad decisions? You're more likely to compromise your morals, your integrity, compromise your standard because I'm alone and ah. I don't feel whole, I don't feel complete, I, there's something missing, I'm not good enough, there's something lacking in me. See, when those feelings are present, you don't need a dude to fix that. Yeah. Or some girl to fix, you don't need that. You need, can I tell you? You need to become secure in him. Amen. When that happens, even if it takes a little bit, a little bit of time, that's, that's okay. But if you, you know, put all your efforts towards that, now you're ready to date. Good. Now you're ready to date with confidence. And if someone wants to jerk you around, psh, you don't need that. You're not dependent on that. You're fine the way things are with you and God. When someone is secure in that way, secure in God, now they're, now they're set up to be a good potential spouse. And how many know even when, when someone's married, when they're secure in Christ, they are so much better as a spouse because they're not like that leech on people, on their partner, where they're dependent. And all my happiness, all my satisfaction comes from you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing years ago about this study about insecure people and the type of position of occupations they seem to gravitate towards. And I never have been able to shake this or forget this, and you'll know understand by one of them. But the first one was sometimes they gravitate towards positions like, um, like uh, law enforcement, police. <laughs> and I thought, that's scary. Insecure, with a badge, and a gun. <laughs> that's not the kind of person because how many know that's where abusive authority happens? Yeah. yeah. The other one is why I remembered it is is uh, was a preacher. <laughs> sometimes people who didn't feel real com confident in themselves in in the Lord, uh, they would want to become preachers. Why? Because well, they, there's a level of authority there. And again, that's the last per person you want to be leading you, because that's where abusive leadership happens and. People get controlling and all that kind of stuff. And, and you just need to be so confident in God before you answer that call. <laughs> if you're insecure and have the call, get it fixed. <laughs> Come on. I, I've got a series you could listen to. Maybe it'll help. Uh, but we want to know who we are in Christ. And these are the kind of things it will produce, this security in the Lord. It will remove um, fear of failure when you know who you are in Christ. 
when you have this, this knowledge, you're not afraid to try new things. You wonder how many people have capped their potential in life. They have limited their, their success and what they could be because they won't ever take a, quote, chance. You know, by holding on to what they have for fear of losing it, they don't give it away and therefore gain and have increase. I mean, God, God's directions concerning finances work that way. You don't gain by holding on. You gain and prosper by giving away the proper amount. And that's true in all of life of giving up certain things, but fear will cause a person to shrink back and they won't ever try anything for fear of losing what they already have, whether it be reputation, whether it be security and money or things. And this knowledge, I say go again, go back and look in the mirror, go back and see who you are in Christ, and it will cause you to rise up above these things. Amen. The insecure or the the person who doesn't know who they are in Christ, they often are very overly self-conscious. Okay, they're overly self-conscious. They, they don't think of themselves in light of just the, the Lord's opinion, but they are always concerned about other people judging them. People are watching me. People are judging me. Okay, that's huge in our culture today. Everyone's thinking, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Who cares? <laughs> that's really where you want to be. It, seriously, if you can't control the judgments of others, which you can't, then why not get to a place where it doesn't matter what they think? Wouldn't that be maturity? And that's what it is, that's what it is in Christ. If you would, look at a passage uh, just to your left, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul made this statement about himself. 1 Corinthians 4, notice with me in verse 3. He writes, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. His maturity, his knowledge and, and, and security in Christ enabled him to minimize the opinions of others. He said, he used the language, it's a very small thing. Now, he didn't say it was zero. I don't know if any, if any of us are completely honest if we say, I care zero about what anybody thinks. I mean, if you're like me, I'm relatively secure in Christ. I still want people to like me. I'd rather you like me than not like me. I'd rather be loved than hated. You know what I'm talking about? I'd rather be spoken well of than spoken evil of. I think all of us are that way. But it has to get to a point where it's a small thing. So if people do judge or think evil or speak against, it doesn't wreck you. It doesn't move you from your place, your calling, your, your, your position, your relationship with God. It doesn't keep you up at night. Nobody likes me. You know, all the people, they, they disapprove. They, they think I'm bad. But the Lord likes you. And he thinks you're awesome. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah? And it needs to get to a place where it's a very small thing. Proverbs 29, 25 reads, 
The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So this is what we seek, God consciousness, don't we? I want to know, I mean, be conscious of Him in my life. When I walk into a room, I'm aware the Lord is there. When I go to pray, I'm aware that God is there. Not I have to check my, uh, you know, my Instagram and my Facebook and see how many people liked my profile update. <laughs> and then judge myself whether I'm, you know, good looking enough or something. No, the Lord gave me a thumbs up. He gave you a thumbs up. He gave you a heart. He gave you a... What are the other things that you get? Uh, a care emoji or something? Uh, uh, or he, he gave you all the good ones. And he's right. Amen. He's right. Praise God. Now, in, in thinking about our position in Christ, remember old things passed away, all things are, have become new. A few verses later, it's uh, verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. It, it says, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay? All believers, all saved people are called by God righteous. That means you have right standing with Him. All right? You're in good standing in heaven. Everything's in order. Everything's clear. Everything's right. How would I know that... I'm right with God by, by observation. Again, we start by faith. But by observation, what should that faith produce in me? And when you read the scriptures, you find that there are many, many, many blessings and perks tied to righteousness. If I could only obtain this position and quality that God describes as righteous, my life would be totally set up to succeed. And so I found a handful of them that we could use as examples today, like I did last week with the In Christ Scriptures. I found some benefits of righteousness. This will help get you started, and then you can find some more. Number one is effective prayers. If I know who I am in Christ and that I'm right with God based on the blood of, blood of Jesus, then my prayers become, just like that, effective. Listen to this, Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. Which one are you in that verse? The wicked or the righteous. So here's the problem again. Let me go back just to remind you. You're not in between. Well, yeah, some days, uh, yeah, I'm the wicked. Today I'm in church, so I've been pretty good. I've been pretty righteous today. That, no, 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 no. In Christ now, you're in one category or the other. The, the, the body of Christ, the people of God, are not defined by the word wicked. So you are not wicked. I've made Jesus my Lord. Then you are in the category of the righteous. What does that do for you? It causes your prayers to be heard. Is the Lord even listening? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
If you are the righteous, what happens if you know that he hears you? Now you pray with greater confidence. You pray with greater faith. Here I am, I'm right with God and I'm asking him. And his ears are open to you. James 5.16 reads, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay, now whose prayer avails much? The righteous man. The righteous man. It avails much. So we have no weak, wimpy prayers in here. Right? If you've been made righteous, you pray and things shake. You pray and change takes place. God moves in response to what you ask. Somebody say it out loud. Say, that's true. That's true about me. That wasn't, like, very bold. Are you judging me? Yes, I'm judging. <laughs> say it out loud again. Say, that's true. That's true about me. When I pray, things happen. Yeah, yeah. That's because the righteous are right. You ever want to be on the right side? <laughs> you're righteous, you're right. The righteous have a right to come before God. He gave it to us. We're not usurping authority. He delegated it. He gave it to us. He gave us the invitation. He invited us into his presence. And he gave us his sons shed blood so that we could walk up clean, Amen. holy, like we belong. Amen. You belong here. You have a right to be here. We have his ear continually. We have an audience with God. There should ever, never be a question. Is the Lord even listening to me? Have you been made righteous in Christ? Then we have his ear. Now, because of that, I would, I would value your prayers. If I need prayer and you know you're righteous, you should pray. I don't want everybody to pray for me. Do you want everybody to pray for you? Say, say why not? Well, because a, a lot of times the language is used, hey, I'll, you know, I'll be praying for you. And uh, they're doing it out of obligation or sympathy. Someone went through a hard thing, I'll be praying for you. They don't really mean it. And if they do mean it, I want to know that they know that they're right with God, that they have a right to go before him, that they have a right to ask. It, it, it is, it, it's where they belong. Amen. These are the people that will pray and see results. I don't want sad people praying for me, for example. If you're really down and really low, don't pray for me. Why? Because that's not coming from a good position. There's no strength in it. You need joy to have strength. So get your joy back and then pray. All right? But we belong. This is a perk. I can know that I know if I'm righteous in Christ, if my prayer life reflects it. There's a confidence to it. There's a boldness there. There's a, there's a belonging. And my prayers make tremendous power available. If you say, I've been praying and nothing's been happening for a long time, I'd go look in the mirror again. Not your bathroom mirror. Your in Christ mirror. Hallelujah. Here's another one. Number two is, is we have God's attention. When you know 
that you're righteous, you have God's attention. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Does God even see me? Does he even know what's going on in my life? Is he even paying attention? Lord, do you see what's going on? If you're righteous, he totally sees. Amen. You're not ignored. You're not off in the corner somewhere. You haven't escaped his focus, his attention. No, his eyes are on the righteous. Amen. Amen. And so we can have confidence in this. We, we are important in his kingdom. Everyone declared to be righteous carries weight, carries importance. And you've got God's attention at all times. Number three is prosperity. Prosperity. If you're righteous, prosperity is one of the results. Psalm 37, 25 reads, I have been young and now, I am, and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Come on, is that true about you? Righteous in Christ, what does it mean? I will never be forsaken. Well, what are you talking about? He's never going to let me starve. He, he's never going to let me go without. Me, I'm not going to do without. My kids aren't going to do without. Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ, I will always be well supplied. How many know this works even in a recession? It's when circumstances around us, when economies and, and different things turn in a more difficult direction, inflation and all that kind of craziness, uh, that's when we should give, I think, even more attention to the fact that, well, I'm still right with God. Yeah, but gas prices, woo! Wow, but the price of food, wow. What about this? What about this sector? What about this? thing in my industry. What about this going on? That's when we say, but I've been young, or David had, maybe you haven't been old, but everyone's been young. <laughs> I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the, the righteous forsaken. And if my righteousness is found in Christ, then I can boldly say and live with confidence, I will not be forsaken. I will not go under. I will not go down. He will be my supply. I will always have a sufficiency. And more than enough, me and my descendants. Yes. Praise God. Isaiah 3.10 says, Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Everybody say it out loud. Say, it shall, it shall be, well be well with me, with me. Because, of my righteousness because of my righteousness in Christ. In Christ. Amen, amen. Number four is protection. Protection. Proverbs 11, verse 4 reads, Do not profit, uh, rich, excuse me, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. How do I know everything's going to be okay? How do I know I'm not going to get some disease? I mean, I have cancer in the family, or I have heart disease in the family, or how do I know everything's going to be okay with me? I mean, how do I know I'm not going to get into a car accident and my life get cut short? How do I know I'm going to be okay? Well, I can, I can know because the righteous are delivered from death. Is that it? That's all I need. 
I'm right with God. He's watching out for me and he delivers me. If I know this, then I have no fear of disease. I have no fear of accidents. I'm not afraid to get on an airplane. I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not a, fear cannot grip me. It cannot, can, cannot get a hold of me. Why? I'm right with God. Everything's going to be fine. Amen. I know the skeptical mind would say, well, sometimes airplanes crash. They do, but you're not going to be on that one. When you have confidence that he protects the righteous, you know that he will direct you away from something that can't be changed. You will either keep it in the air because you brought your angels along without trying, or he'll direct you in a different way so you won't be a part of it. That's how we do, that's how we live in a world full of death and disease and destruction. I'm going to be okay. Amen, amen, amen. Number five is I see this as a perk, a benefit of knowing I'm right with God is I have a continual improving li- continually improving life. Continual improvement is a way, a way to say this. Proverbs 4 verse 18 reads, But the path of the just, just is another word for righteous, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Again, which one are we? Described by the Lord, defined by Him, righteous or wicked? Righteous. Righteous. What does that say for our future? Our future's getting better. It is getting brighter. Brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. It is true for the person who knows this spiritual reality that our best days are yet to come. I don't see that there's a point in life when if we are walking with God and and this is our, our reality, that we say, my best is in the past. No. I, I realize physical life changes and things of that nature change. Nevertheless, the path of the righteous keeps getting brighter. I see more. I'm closer in my relationship with God. I'm walking in His perks and benefits. I'm happier than I used to be. I'm more at peace. It's just going to keep getting better. That should be, since we know these verses, that should be the expectation of the in Christ person. What is your mentality? It's going to be better. It's going to be better. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Wait till tomorrow. There is a constant expectation of improvement, of our pathway getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Do you have it? If not, you ought to. You ought to have that. It ought to be working in you. What if it's not? Look in the mirror. See who you are and see what he says is corresponding to that reality. And your faith will go up. Your expectation of better days to come will exist. Yeah. I remember reading from Smith Wigglesworth where he said, he said, it's a tragedy when a Christian stays on the same spiritual plane two days in a row. And if you're like me, that kind of went, ooh. 
like my expectations are too stretched out. I might say like, you know, every year go a little bit higher, but every day? And he said that not out of a, just a, on a whim, but out of experience in God, knowing that you can, you can grow and increase daily. Amen. Daily. So where do I start? Start by st- setting your expectation. Letting these words be your reality. The path of the just is like the shining sun. The sun's coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up, coming up to a full brightness. Amen. Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So the righteous life is a flourishing life. How's your day going today? Can you wait? Can you, you almost can't wait till tomorrow, huh? Man, tomorrow's going to be so good. What about Tuesday? <gasps> can you imagine how good Tuesday's going to be? I mean, if today's okay, tomorrow, woo Tuesday. Think about by Wednesday. Oh, we, not, we might not be able to handle this. I mean, by, by next Sunday, can you imagine how awesome this is going to be? Now give it a year if you think, if you think like that. God's going to move. God's going to speak. God's going to reveal. God's going to show himself. God's going to bless. He's going to be working in my life. I'm going to be understanding more, seeing more. I'm going to be walking as a greater blessing before. I was a blessing to someone today. Wait till I've run into people tomorrow. <laughs> They're going to be so happy to see me. <laughs> what? Because it just keeps getting better. It's not only better towards me, it's better through me. Man, I'm used of God today. Woo, I can't wait till tomorrow. <laughs> These promises then should become the foundation for our faith. So what do you believe? Be specific. Here's some great examples. They're the foundation for our faith, for our, the foundation for our prayer life. We build our lives on the rock of God's word. These are God's words. And it's what he declares to be true about his people, those who are in Christ. If we are declared to be righteous, we are qualified in Christ for all of these benefits. And can you see, I just selected a very small sampling of Scripture. You take your mirror that we built last week, keep building that. You take these other things, and you keep building that. Say, isn't that too self-serving? We're just focused on ourselves. I tell you, when we, when we get a fuller revelation of who He is in us, our God is not a selfish God. And when I know who I am in Him and see that I'm right with God, I don't become a swamp where it all ends with me. I become a, a river. He's flowing in and flowing out. And it's not a selfish life that we're talking about. But if you ever want to be a good giver, you have to have something to give. Amen. And it starts with this knowledge, with this light, with this revelation of what he has made us to be in him. It's a whole new world, you guys. And it's an expansive, blessed life. It really is. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in here, working in us.